0: who wrote it but I saw this really cool quote on my Pinterest feed one time and it really stuck to me. It said, it's better to look back in your life and say, I can't believe I did that than to say, I wish I did that. The fact is there's these moments in our lives where we're tested. They're like opportunities sort of disguised as decisions. These opportunities may intrigue us, excite us or sometimes scare the crap out of us but in the end we need to make a yes or no decision on whether or not to move forward. Many times we say no because it's easy, obviously. We tell ourselves we have no resources, no skills, or no time. Or Sometimes we convince ourselves we're just not ready, which is more of a wimpy sort of a no. But nevertheless, the no, it allows us to return to the status quo of our lives unharmed, potentially unscathed, and for the most part, though, unchanged, except for what we're not often prepared for, which is the I wish I did that thought can follow us around for the rest of our lives, sort of haunting us with the "What would have happened?" or "How might my life have been different?" Would have been better in some way. Anyway, these are the questions that we'll never know the answer to. Obviously, the thing about the yes, though, it's scary. It represents the unknown, but more in more in-your-face sort of a way, with a lot of mystery and potential messiness. But I don't know. In my opinion, I think that's where life's adventure really begins. So here I am standing in the doorway of this rusty blue metal shed in the middle of an Indian slum at the farewell meeting of Asha's better life education program. It's a program where amidst a billion people in India, 25 socially invisible teenage slum girls sat on a dirt floor, hanging on to hope of leading their generation toward a brighter future. And by brighter, A future where their parents saw value in them as daughters from the day that they were born and looked at them as future world changers as opposed to dowry debts waiting to be settled. Or a future where their parents didn't pull them out of school at puberty to prevent them from getting raped by men who saw them as fair game. And where parents didn't deliberately keep their daughters' minds blank slates to be molded by their future in-laws as a way of preventing acts of domestic violence being committed against them for non-compliance or something. And basically, a future where these girls would not have to navigate a life of poverty as uneducated and powerless women living at the bottom of the world. And from my conversation with Dani, the director of ASHA, the magnitude of gender bias that these girls would face Everywhere from eve-teasing, they call it, which is a slightly classier term for catcalling, all the way to bride-burning. The statistics were enough to like, make me want to just crawl back under the covers and block out the world. It was just like too much. My brain couldn't even absorb it all. But now, here I am, standing in front of these statistics as they're sitting with all their hope and potential that the world has to offer. And, you know, they're just unaware of their grim odds of success. They're unaware that this pathetically underfunded program was probably the most likely, the only chance of altering their trajectory. But in a matter of hours, it was slated for the chopping block because the minimal financial resources that ASHA had available were going to be rerouted to rescuing other girls in their area from sex trafficking. So all their hope is about to wash away in an instant. And, you know, my mind is, like, racing, trying to figure out, like, what to do. Is there anything to do? You know, scanning all the possibilities that could potentially alter the collision course of this program. And the thing was, I mean, I had no disposable funds to try to help, and not to mention, my plane is going back to the U.S. in a matter of hours, so I don't even really have time here. But honestly, the likelihood of some well-meaning but naive woman coming in and saving the day, where everything you know, kind of works out, springs back to life, and the kids are so inspired that 10 years from now, they're all going to college and contributing to the world in ways that nobody ever could have guessed they could, And until finally a you know, Hollywood movie will be made about the whole story, while well, everybody knows the real world doesn't work like this. And the fact is, you know, I, I didn't have the money, I didn't have the skills, the time, and I wasn't ready. And technically, it wasn't even like I had a real decision to make on this one. Nobody even asked for my help. They weren't asking for anything. I just wanted to come and say hi, and they said okay. They were not asking for my financial help to keep it open. There there weren't even any sad faces making me feel like a guilty American. They had no expectations whatsoever. The door was open literally and figuratively. I could keep my mouth shut and just head home free and clear. So in this case, saying no was kind of easy, but the pull of the yes was still pretty powerful and it was weird it's like an out-of-body experience I just can hear like the weird sound of my own shaking voice saying don't close it down I want to help and suddenly the shed erupts in cheers and the girls are like yay and then I'm like yay but inside I'm thinking oh my god what have I just committed to I am like in over my head so anyway on the flight home I'm still trying to come to grips with what I had done and my mind's kind of bouncing back and forth between these two big questions one, well, how would I raise $2,500, which is what it takes for a year to to keep this Better Life education program open? And I mean, um, of course, I suppose I could give up manicures and lattes for a year. That's my two of my little indulgences. But uh, more importantly than the money was the number two, how could these girls create a better life when they grow up every day in a slum? How could they picture themselves doing anything differently than their mothers it you know it just doesn't make sense like I don't think you know contrary to what a lot of Americans would like to believe money just does not fix all societal pro- problems and I just couldn't see how even if I had the $2,500 it was going to help so anyway I get ex- exhausted by my obsessing so I kind of drift into this in-flight movie Freedom Writers um, based on this true story about this woman named Erin Gruwell And she's this young, white, optimistic rookie teacher played by Hilary Swank. She gets this job teaching at this intense, racially divided Los Angeles high school. It's filled with teenage gangbangers that are deemed incapable of learning. And she, of course, couldn't have been more out of place. And she wore pearls and pumps to class. And it was like she was too awkward and clueless to even realize how impossible things were. So she came up with these creative kind of mind-stretching activities and adventures she'd take them on that actually started inspiring these kids to take an interest in their education, against all odds. And she assigned them journals to begin expressing the pain of their lives in constructive ways until eventually they could start to see a real place for themselves in their own future. So basically, by the end of the movie, it turns out that this well-meaning but naive woman comes in, saves the day, And as she stretched their minds, yeah, they sprang to life and they were so inspired that they went on to college and contributed to the world in ways nobody ever guessed they could. And in the end, a Hollywood movie was made about the whole thing. So I'm thinking, hmm, well, maybe, maybe I can do this. So the first thing I need to do is raise the money. And as selfless as some people may have thought that I was, I really was not willing to give up manicures and lattes for an entire year. So... I decided I hosted a fundraiser dinner and a silent auction for 25 people to come. And in order to come to the dinner, they the guests would donate $100. So there's our $2,500. As well as a blank page journal that would be given to each one of the Indian girls in the program. So, bam, piece of cake. There it was. And above that, though, we also held a silent auction that ended up raising a few more thousand dollars that was going to be used to go back and stretch the minds of these Indian girls. So six months later, I returned to India. And with the help of the ASHA directors who, by the way, painstakingly convinced two dozen slum parents and employers to unleash their daughters from servitude for five straight days, the girls and I reunited and then we hit the road we rented this bus and it took us all over the place we hiked in the mountains we visited temples and parks and farms and restaurants and ice cream parlors and we watched these hang gliders sailing off of cliffs over the ocean we went on a road trip and we sang songs and rocked out in the aisles of our rusty rented bus and we did artwork and journaling and photography and we even indulged in this thing called a rain dance it's like an enclosed sport court where Bollywood dance music just blares from loudspeakers overhead and and water sprays out of these pipes all around us. So for an hour, these screaming, laughing Indian girls are dancing and soaking wet saris, just like girls gone wild. And their parents would have probably freaked out if they'd <laughs> seen just this chaos. But every day, we just encourage them to, to think and to write in their journals about their thoughts And their fears and their dreams and were just stretching and stretching their minds and imaginations farther than they ever thought possible. And it was amazing. They discovered, you know, just day by day new ways of thinking and of seeing and of living. And they're feeling feeling valued and they're feeling important and they're feeling capable in just five days. And little by little, you know, the shift in perspective, it adds up because... As of June 2017, exactly 10 years later, not only does the Better Life Education Program still exist, there's about 100 girls in the program right now, 38 of the girls have done the impossible, they've gone on to college, they have imagined a life that they never knew possible, their minds will never, ever return to their original form. And I am waiting for Hollywood to call me any day now. So the question now that I like to pose to the GSD teen operatives is what specific moments in your life have broadened your perspective, stretched your mind, and helped you change how you felt about yourself or how you see the world around you? If you want to see what our brilliant operatives have to say, click on the GSD operative responses below this podcast and you can hear some of their thought-provoking insights. And in the meantime, I'm Dina Fessler from the GSD Hayloft. Join me for the next adventure. And if you'd like us to send you updates in your inbox, just send us an email.